church family, I invite you to open up in your copy of God's Word to the book of Philippians. Philippians is where we are going to be. I'm looking at mainly chapter 1, verse 6. That's going to be the uh, main verse that we look at, but I do want us to read to get the context, verses 3 through verse 11. And so if you're able, you can stand to your feet. We're going to honor the reading of God's Word in that way, chapter 1, beginning in verse 3 of the book of Philippians. God's Word says this, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. It's the word of the Lord for his church today. You may be seated. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, the title of our message today is a people under construction. A people under construction. Let me ask you a question. Are you a one project at a time kind of person or are you a lots of projects at the same time kind of person? What do you think? What about this? Are you an always finish what you start kind of person or are you a just get started and maybe finish one day kind of person? I see some nods out there. Probably all of us are different and would answer those in different ways. You know, when it comes to God, He is a lots of projects at the same time kind of God, and He is an always finish what He starts kind of God. That's the kind of God that we serve. In other words, God has a lot of construction projects that He's working on all at the same time, but that doesn't prevent Him from finishing every single one of them. So what are God's construction projects? Well, it's His people. His people. People, persons, individuals that belong to Him. That is the church. God is building for Himself a people who will worship Him forever and ever. In Paul's letter to the Philippians, we find the Apostle Paul writing from prison to a local church. That means a local gathering of believers who've been organized together as a New Testament church. Paul writes this letter to remind them of God's work of salvation in their lives and then how their lives, because of God's work of salvation, are to be a joyful reflection of that good salvation that He has given to them. In other words, the salvation they've received as a gift from God ought to be lived out in their day-to-day lives as they face persecution and hardships with joy and with unity in the gospel. And one of the ways in this letter that Paul seeks to instill this joy and steadfastness in the church at Philippi is by teaching them that their salvation is a work of God and that God is not through working in them and that God will finish what He has started in their lives. 
If there is disunity among any of the members, which when you read Philippians, you see that there was, they can rejoice that God is still at work in them. And they can repent and be reconciled and keep serving the Lord together. If they've given in to a complaining attitude, which some, if you read the letter, had, they can rejoice that God is still at work in them. And they can repent and then have thankful hearts towards the Lord and to one another. If they had become lazy in pursuing spiritual growth, which it seems that some of them had, they could um, rejoice that God was still at work in them, and then they could get busy producing the good works of salvation that they should have been producing. If they'd grown scared of the enemies of Jesus, which means their enemies since they belong to Jesus, which some in the church in Philippi, it seems, had, they could rejoice that God was still at work in them. He had not abandoned them, which means he was with them and was going to strengthen them to keep following him no matter the persecution that came. If they had grown weary of life, just living life in a broken world where they faced opposition and hardship, which some of them had, they could rejoice that God was still at work in them and that one day, God would finish that work and would bring them into his eternal kingdom and the sufferings of this life would be over forever. And this confidence that God would finish what he started would help them strive ahead, press onward toward that heavenly goal in Christ Jesus. You see, the Philippian church was no doubt a people under construction. They weren't a perfect people. And church, we are a people under construction. Christian You are a person under construction. And the better we understand the work of salvation that God is doing in us, our confidence in God's work will grow and we will be better prepared to do what Paul says in chapter 1, verse 27, to let our manner of life life be worthy of the gospel of Christ and to live that way, as he says in chapter 4, verse 4, rejoicing always in the Lord. Paul says again, I say rejoice. The main statement I want us to examine is really verse 6. We're just going to look mainly at that one verse today. Paul writes, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I want to share with you in our time today five truths we learned from this statement and the surrounding statement. And church family, I just pray that you would be encouraged in your walk with the Lord. And if you aren't saved today, that you would see what you're missing out on when it comes to confidence in our salvation and the work that God does in us, that God would draw your heart to salvation. The first truth is this, church family, from start to finish, salvation is the good work of God. From start to finish, salvation is the good work of God. That's where I want this emphasis to be as we look at this first truth. If we learn nothing else concerning God's work in us, it must be this, that it is God's work, not ours. And it is all God's work, not partially God's work. It's all His work. I would argue that this is the foundational truth about salvation. It is God's work in us from start to finish. As the prophet Jonah said when he cried out from the belly of that great fish, he said, salvation belongs to the Lord. Not part of salvation belongs to the Lord, but salvation in all its fullness belongs to God. Some people think salvation starts with us crying out to God for salvation, and then God hears that cry and responds by giving us salvation. And it is true that we must cry out to God for salvation by believing in Jesus. 
And then it is true that when we do that, God hears our cry of faith and he does respond in grace and mercy and he provides us with that gift of salvation. However, Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says that God begins our salvation. It doesn't begin when we look to God and say, God, I need you, because then it would start with us. But this verse says that God begins our salvation. Which means before we ever ask him to save us, God had already been working in our lives. Bringing us to that point. You say, well, when does he begin this work in us? One way we could answer this and rightly answer is to go way back into salvation history and say that God's work of salvation began long before you and I ever even existed. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. But here in Philippians, I think the emphasis lies a little bit less on God's um, eternal planning of salvation and lies a little more on God's work of salvation in our lives. God applying that salvation to us. The Bible refers to this first step of God actually applying His salvation to our lives as His call upon our lives. We see this language used in Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. You can see that in, in, in the text. Philippians 3.14 says, I press on toward the goal for the upward excuse me, for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The call of God to salvation. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 9. He said, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God calls us to salvation. Our cry of faith is a response to the call of God to Himself. Jesus used a little bit different terminology to convey the same truth when He said in John chapter 6, verse 44, No one can come to Me unless the Father who sent Me draws Him. Friends, our trusting in Jesus is not something that we can take credit for. It is simply our response to the work that God has already begun in our lives. God applying salvation to our lives doesn't begin with us placing our faith in Jesus, though that is a necessary step. It begins with God calling us to Himself through conviction of sin and through the preaching of the Gospel. And so it's wrong to say that you start your salvation and God finishes it. God is the one who starts it. But others might say that, well, God starts our salvation, but then we have to finish it. In other words, God gets you started down that path of salvation by convicting you of sin, forgiving you of your sin when you place your faith in Jesus. But then it's up to you, it's up to me to complete that work of salvation. You've got to do good works and not sin either at all or not too much or else God will take away what He started in your life. I'm going to say more about this in just a moment, so I'm just going to kind of try to state it briefly here. But church, that thinking is completely wrong. Just look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. This verse clearly says that God is the one who finishes our salvation. He starts it and He finishes it. He's the one who brings it to completion. Everyone who makes it to heaven will be there solely because God started their salvation and because God saw it through to completion. He calls us to salvation. He regenerates our dead hearts. He sanctifies us, which means He sets us apart from sin unto holiness, unto Himself. And ultimately, He is the one who will resurrect our dead bodies if we have died before Christ returns, or who will 
catch us up, our live bodies, uh, Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians to himself, if we are alive when Christ returns to bring us into his eternal dwelling. Salvation is not something you start and God finishes. Salvation is not something God starts and you finish. Salvation is a work that God begins in you and finishes in you, which means it is by his grace and grace alone. It is not by our works at all. If we think that at any point of the salvation process in our lives, that we are the ones doing the work of salvation, then we are mistaken. From start to finish, salvation is the good work of God. Truth number two is this. If God has started His work of salvation in you, He will complete His work in you. We want to zoom in a little bit more on that thought that God is the one who finishes our salvation. And just a moment ago, we were talking about and focusing on it being God's work. But now I want to focus more on the confidence that we can have that God will finish this work. Whatever work of salvation God has started in you, God will see it through to completion. Paul clearly intends for this statement in verse 6, chapter 1, verse 6, to be an encouragement to the believers in the church of Philippi. If they have been saved, then it's guaranteed that they will continue to be saved all the way until the day of Christ. Never, ever does God begin a work of salvation in someone's heart and then fail to complete it. That never, ever happens. He never gives up halfway through. We might give up halfway through some of the projects that we start, but God never gives up on His work of salvation in a person's life. If He starts it, He will finish it. He doesn't get distracted. He always finishes what He starts when it comes to our salvation. I think there's a few, um, at least a few applications of this truth as we look at the context of Paul's letter to the Philippians. One of the applications of this truth that God will complete our salvation is just simply that we can have confidence in our salvation. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to wonder. If God has begun a work of salvation in us, we don't have to wonder whether He is continuing to hold on to us. Brothers and sisters, I just want you to know, if you are in Christ, you can be confident in your salvation. Salvation is not something that you can lose. If God has saved you and is saving you, He will finish saving you. It's exactly what this verse says and other places in Scripture testify to. The notion that you could lose your salvation is rooted in a works-based view of salvation, not a grace-based view of salvation. That's why point number one is so important. It's God's work in us. It's God's work. And so since we've done nothing to earn our salvation, we can't do anything to lose our salvation. Now, this is not a license to sin. This doesn't mean, well, oh, well, I know God's going to save me in the end, so I can just go live however I want. We'll talk about that misnomer in just a few minutes. This is not a license to sin, but it is one of the most comforting and peace-giving truths about our salvation that we find in Scripture. Paul said it this way in his letter to the Ephesians. He said this in Ephesians chapter 1. He said, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, note this language, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. I mean, you cannot get more clear language than that. Perhaps you say, Zach, I know people who said they believed in Jesus for salvation, and for a while it kind of seemed like they were experiencing the work of God in saving them, but later they just seemed to walk away from the Lord, lived in unrepentant sin, um, never gave any more evidence of salvation in their lives. 
um, by the way that they live? Like, can we be confident in that person's salvation? My response is no. No. You say, well, this says if God started a work in their lives and he's going to bring it to completion, that is true if he started a work of salvation in their lives. See, this verse is only giving confidence to salvation of those whom God began his good work of salvation in. And I would argue, based off of Scripture, we don't have time to go through all the passages today, I would argue that God never began his work of salvation in a person who only appeared, that's the key word, to be saved, but did not continue to show the fruit of salvation. In other words, it's not that that person lost his salvation, it's that he never had that salvation to begin with. You see, when God begins a work of salvation in someone's life, he will keep working that salvation until it is brought to fruition. And that person will continue to show the fruit of salvation in their lives. That person may have pretended to believe in Jesus for salvation, but it was not a genuine belief in Jesus. The Apostle John said this, and I think this is a very helpful verse when we think about uh, people who appear appear to show signs of salvation, but then later show that that was not anything genuine happening in their life. There's some false teachers in the church that John was writing to, and um, they had left the church. And John says this, a very short statement, but I think it's very important. He says, they went out from us, and then he says this, because they were never of us. Now, clearly, they were there physically with them in the church, but his final evaluation is they left, they walked away, because they never were really with us to begin with. They just looked like they were. But there was never a genuine work of salvation that had taken place in their hearts and lives. And so verse 6 should provide Christians with confidence in their salvation. If we have trusted in Christ for salvation, then we can trust that He will bring that salvation to completion. But if we have confidence in our salvation, then it also leads to a couple of other applications. One, this is, I love this, I love this. Because we can have confidence in our salvation, church, we can look forward to the coming of Jesus. We can look forward to the coming of Jesus. You say, well, well, yeah, I mean, why would you emphasize that? I mean, of course we would look forward to the coming of Jesus. Hold that thought for just a second. Let me go ahead and give you the other application. Because we can look forward to the coming of Jesus, that also means then that we can endure suffering for the gospel until the day we are with Jesus. Let's look at that. Uh, application about looking forward to the coming of Jesus. Listen, you say, well, of course we will look forward to the coming of Jesus. Well, if we could not have confidence that God would keep us to the end, then church, we would have every reason to fear the coming of Jesus. Do you realize the coming of Jesus is Jesus coming to make war on His enemies. He came the first time to bring salvation and the second time He's coming to make war. He's coming, Scripture says, to strike down the nations in His wrath. He's coming to bring judgment. If our salvation is just up in the air, if it's a toss-up whether or not God is going to finish what He started, then the second coming of Jesus should make us tremble in fear. It should keep us up at night. We shouldn't be able to lay our heads down on our pillows at night because I don't know if, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I'm, I'm messed up today. I don't know if God still loves me. But it's not a toss-up. There's no question mark on the end of God's salvation in our lives. Now, if it's some 
man-made salvation that we've just kind of come up with on our own, yeah, we've got reason to fear. But when it's God's work of salvation, when it's salvation according to His Word in our life, where we have cast ourselves completely upon the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ and we are trusting in Him and Him alone, then we can have confidence in our salvation and we can look forward with joy to the coming of King Jesus. And until that day, because we can have confidence in our salvation, we can also endure the temporary suffering of this life. And we can endure it with joy in our hearts. We can endure it for the glory of Jesus. One of Paul's reasons for writing this letter is to encourage believers to press on in their faith. We see that theme all throughout the book of Philippians. Paul himself is in prison as he's writing this letter, but he's joyful in the midst of his persecution and he's continuing to serve the Lord in the midst of his hardships. Later in the letter, we see Paul put all of these applications of the truth that God will complete our salvation. He puts them all together. Um, In the middle of chapter 3, he calls the believers to press on in following Jesus. And then he speaks about those who are enemies of the cross of Christ, which means he understands that there's enemies of believers in Jesus, those who belong to Jesus. They have enemies. But then Paul looks forward with confident hope, and he says this at the end of chapter 3. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will, note the confidence, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Those are not the words of a man who is unsure what will happen to him when Jesus returns. Those are the words of a man who is completely confident that God will finish the good work He began in Him when Christ returns. He will finish the good work in the Philippian believers that He started, and He will finish that when Christ returns. He is confident. And that confidence of what will come is then directly followed by the call to persevere in the here and now. Know how it has direct application for our daily lives. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, Therefore, my brothers, therefore, since we look with confidence to the coming of Christ, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm. Thus, in the Lord, my beloved. In other words, keep following Jesus, no matter how hard it gets. Because there's a day coming when Christ is coming to get those who belong to Him. And God's going to finish that work that He has started. If God has started His work of salvation in you, He will complete His work of salvation in you. And this means we can have confidence in our salvation when it is of the Lord. We can look forward to the coming of Jesus. And we can endure temporary suffering in the meantime for the glory of King Jesus. Let me share truth number three with you. If God has started His work of salvation in you, then church, He is currently at work in you. Christian, if God has started His work of salvation in you, He is right now, currently, at this very moment, at work in you. I love this truth about our salvation. Verse 6 tells us that God begins our salvation and He will complete our salvation. And so if God has begun a work in us, and if He's going to finish that work in us, then it only makes sense that He is right now, currently at work in us, completing what He started. On the one hand, salvation is a completed work. Right? Salvation is completed. In a couple of different ways. The work of Jesus in purchasing salvation is finished. 
The moment you believe in Jesus, you are justified completely in that moment. You are completely saved. You are completely adopted into God's family. Your sins are completely washed away. And your citizenship is 100% in heaven. And yet, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know firsthand that though God has declared you righteous on the basis of Christ's work on on the cross, you don't always live righteously. And neither do I. Though you've been adopted into God's family, if you're honest, you don't always live like a child of God should live. Neither do I. Though your sins are washed away, you still find yourself falling into sin. So do I. Though your citizenship is in heaven, sometimes you make choices that look as though you belong to the world rather than to heaven. So do I. Why is that? Well, because in one, sense, in one sense, God has completed His work of salvation. The work of Christ on the cross is finished. And God sees us, if we've trusted in Christ, as holy in His sight. He's clothed us with the righteousness of Christ. But on the other hand, God's not finished with His work of salvation in you. He has guaranteed its completion, but He has not completed it yet. In other words, construction in your life is still in progress. He is still pushing sin out of your heart and replacing it with holiness. He's making what is true of you positionally. Positionally, your life is hidden with Christ and God. He's making that look more and more reality in your day-to-day practice as well. Now, this incomplete nature of our salvation does not mean that we're partially saved. Nowhere does the Bible speak of people being partially saved. The Bible says either you're saved or you're not. Either you're counted among the sheep or among the goats. Either you are a child of God or you are not. No one is partially saved. And nor does this incomplete nature of our salvation mean that the work of Christ is somehow insufficient. When we talk about us growing in our faith and God completing this work of salvation, our growth in holiness is in no way completing the work of redemption that Jesus did on the cross. Jesus did not die for some of your sins, and now you have to somehow make up for the rest of them. And I say that because there's people who believe that, that Jesus kind of got it started And he paid for some of our sins, but then we got to do something to make up for the rest of them. That's not true. Jesus didn't partially purchase your redemption. He purchased it in full. Our growth in holiness is not somehow making up the difference where Christ's work on the cross fell short. No, the work of Christ is sufficient. So what do we mean when we say God's still working salvation in us? What do we mean when we say I'm still a work in progress? You, Christian, are still a work in progress. This means that the finished work of Christ in saving us and the completed declaration of God in justifying us is still being worked out in the way that we live our lives and the choices that we make on a day-to-day basis. Positionally, we are right before God, but practically, we don't always live that way in our lives. We have been declared righteous by God, and by God's grace, through His work in us, we are looking more and more righteous as God continually works in us. We have had our sins washed away, and we are putting away sin in our lives as God continually works in us. We are children of God. If you are saved today, you are a child of God, and we are looking more and more like children of God as God continues to work in us. We are citizens in heaven. It's a done deal. And our lives are looking more and more like the holiness of heaven and less and less like the sinfulness of this world as God, by His grace, continues to work in our lives. I want to give you three real quick applications of this truth that God is at work in you. I want you to be encouraged by this and challenged by this. 
brother or sister in Christ, if God has begun a good work in you, then He's currently at work in you. And here's what that means for you and me. There's always room for growth. (laughs) There's always room for growth. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for one day or if you've been a Christian for 60 or 70 years or maybe longer than that. There is always room for growth. When is the work going to be completed? When Christ returns. Has Christ returned yet? Nope. Which means you and I are still works in progress and we don't need to forget that. We need to remember that there is always some sin in our lives that we need God to expose and by His grace to push out of our lives. There is always progress that we can make in in living lives of holiness before the Lord and serving Him. And if you're walking close to the Lord, then you can expect that God is going to help you put off sin and put on holiness. Another application is this. Because we're all works in progress, we need to remember to have patience with one another. Your brother or sister in Christ is still a work in progress, just like you're a work in progress. So we need to have patience with one another. Not only have you not arrived yet, neither have your brothers or sisters in Christ. And that should lead us to be patient with our believing spouse believing children, believing parents, with fellow church members. Listen, they're not perfect just like you're not perfect, just like I'm not perfect. And so we need to be patient with one another, remembering that we're all works in progress. And then a third application of this truth that God is still at work in us is that it ought to motivate us to keep working out our own salvation. Now, I didn't say working for salvation, but to keep working out our own salvation in our lives. While we ought to be patient with one another as we struggle against sin, and even in a sense be patient with ourselves, we also shouldn't be lazy in our spiritual growth. So let me give you kind of a a warning here when we talk about I'm a work in progress when it comes to my relationship with God. The truth that I'm a work in progress does not give me an excuse to sin. It doesn't give me an excuse to sin. I can't keep committing the same sin over and over and just excuse it by saying, well, I'm a work in progress. I know I, I, know I, I blew up at my wife today, but I'm, I'm a work in progress. I know, I know I yelled at my kids today, but I, I'm a work in progress. I know I screamed at that crazy driver on the road that almost ran me off, but I mean, I'm just a work in progress. You see, you see how we, we can take this beautiful truth that God's at work in us and then we can twist it to excuse sin in our lives. Say, so, well, I'm just a work in progress. No, this truth should help us to be patient with others and patient with ourselves as we grow. But at the same time, it should motivate, motivate us to grow. God is at work in us. The point of all of this is that if God has begun a work in you, then He is progressing you toward the finished product. And the finished product is a person who no longer sins. We know that's the finished product because there's no sin in heaven, and that's what our citizenship is. That's what He is doing. He's, he's, He's pushing us towards this point where there is no more sin in our lives. And yes, it's true that we never will be perfect in our practice this side of heaven, but we ought to be making significant progress in that direction. And we don't have any excuse because God is currently at work in us. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, Paul instructs the Philippians to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Not work for your salvation. God does the work of salvation, but He does tell them to work out their salvation, which means they're to be striving to look more and more and more like people who belong in the sinless heaven rather than people who belong on this sinful earth. So let me just ask you a quick question. Is there a sin that you're struggling with? Maybe a complaining attitude? Maybe lust? 
maybe greed, maybe bitterness, maybe covetousness. Christian, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't say, well, that's just, that's just the way that I am. No, no. God is currently at work in you, making you holy. And we have confidence even in our working out of our salvation because God, uh, Paul follows that up in verse 13 of chapter 2 by saying this, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. And so, Christian, you and I, we have, we have God on our side in our struggle against sin. And so keep pursuing holiness through His power that is at work in you. Let me give you truth number four. And it flows right out of this. But I want to emphasize, make a special emphasis of this. Church, if God has started His work of salvation in you, then the works of salvation will increasingly flow from you. If God has begun His work of salvation in you, then He's going to finish what He started. He's going to complete it. He's currently at work in you. And what that means is that the works of salvation, again, not working for salvation, but the works that flow from person whose heart has been rescued from their sin and transformed by the blood of Jesus Christ, they will flow out of us, and I believe they'll flow out of us in an increasing manner, more and more. Brothers and sisters in Christ, if God has started His work of salvation in you, promised to complete that work, then we will show it in the way that we live our lives. Church, as confident as I am that a saved person will remain saved... I am just as confident that a saved person will look more and more saved the longer he or she is alive. There's no such thing in God's Word as a Christian who is not producing the fruit of salvation or the works of salvation. There's no place in that. There's not like, well, here's a category of Christians who, man, they just live for the Lord and they just serve the Lord and they produce the fruit of salvation in their lives. And then there's this category of Christians where they believed in Jesus sometime. They said a prayer. They trusted in Jesus. There's not really much change in their lives, but that's okay. Um, God's working salvation in them. There's, there's no, that, that category is non-existent in God's Word. There's only a category of people who are, who, who are not saved And there's a category of people who are saved. And the people who are saved are increasingly looking more and more like the Jesus who has saved them. As impossible as it is for God to fail to finish His work of salvation in a person, it is just as impossible for God's work of salvation to fail to produce the fruit of salvation in that person's life. That would be a failure of God's work. If our lives as Christians were not producing the fruit of salvation then it will be a failure of God to work that salvation in our lives. Notice in this passage in Philippians 1, and this is why I wanted to read the context earlier, that Paul is telling the Philippian believers how he prays for them. That's the context here in this this passage. He tells them in verse 3 that he thanks God for them. Then he mentions his confidence in God's work of salvation in their lives in verse 6. And then if you skip to verse 9 through 11... Chapter 1, verse 9 through 11, Paul tells them specifically what he prays will happen in their lives. And this follows right on the heels of him saying, I'm sure that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. And then he says this, and it is my prayer. In light of that, it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment. That means love for others and love for God. Knowledge and discernment, discerning what is right and wrong, and then actually living that out so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Note this 
language filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ through the praise and glory of God. His statement about God's work of salvation in their lives is in the context of His prayer that their lives would be producing the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. That is the fruit of salvation. And so, church, we see a direct connection between God's work of salvation in us, that guaranteed work of salvation in us, and the fruit of salvation or the works of salvation coming from us. If God is working in us, then there is an expectation that the works of salvation will be coming out of us. If you read the rest of Philippians, you'll see, and I encourage you to do that. That would be a great thing for you to do this week. Read the rest of Philippians. You'll see that Paul is not just praying this prayer because he can't think of anything else to pray. He's praying this prayer because he knows that some in the church in Philippi are struggling to produce the works of salvation in their lives. Some are scared of their opponents outside the church. Some are arrogant and are refusing to serve one another. Some are grumbling and complaining. Some are growing weary of faithfully following Jesus. Some are arguing with each other and they're breeding disunity in the body of Christ. Go read the letter. You'll see all of that. I'm not making that up. It's all here. I'm just pulling all that right out of Philippians. That's the state of the church here. And so Paul says, listen, the God who began a work of salvation will complete it, which means He's working in you right now for His glory which means you ought to get busy producing the works of salvation in you. And you can do that confidently knowing that it's not just you doing it, it's God who's working it out in you. Say, what are the works of salvation? What is the fruit of salvation? Well, we could could spend lots of time thinking about that. Can I just summarize it real quickly as I look at the book of Philippians and, and, and just kind of summarize the fruit of salvation that we see in this letter that he's calling them to? He calls them to joy in laboring with and for the people of God. Part of the fruit of salvation is endurance and suffering for the mission of God. Humility by imitating the Son of God. Contentment, you read about that in chapter 4, contentment rooted in the peace of God. And then thoughts and actions reflecting the holiness of God. We see scattered throughout Philippians. That's the fruit of salvation. Again, there's so much to be said, but please understand that if God has begun a work of salvation in you, then you will be producing the fruit of salvation, and you'll do so, and I'll do so more and more and more the longer we are Christians. Church family, I'm so thankful the work God has done in my life over the past 25 years. What happened to say, just a couple of weeks ago, Mark, 25 years since... God reached down in His grace and called me to salvation. And I responded in repentance and faith. And I'm also thankful that God's not done in me. Oh man, am I glad. If I, if I, if I had to look at my life today and say, well, that's as good as it's going to get. If God looked at me and said, that's as good as it's going to get. I'd, I'd cry way more than I'm crying right now. Because... I, I'm thankful for the growth that God has done in my life over the past 25 years, but man, I've got a long way to go. I've got such a long way to go, and I'm so thankful that I get to look forward to the works of salvation continuing to flow from my life in an ever-increasing manner as God, not me, but as God continues to work that salvation in me. And as I cooperate with Him in that endeavor... Brothers and sisters, if God has begun His work of salvation in you, then He will complete it. He is currently at work in you. 
and the fruit, the beautiful fruit of salvation that brings much glory and honor to Jesus will be flowing out of your life in an ever-increasing manner. The question then is this. Has God begun a work of salvation in you? Has God begun His good work of salvation in you? The last truth I want to share with you is simply kind of closing call to you. Closing evaluation, and that's this, church family. It's a very important truth here. Only partakers of God's grace can enjoy God's good work of salvation. God's good work of salvation is not taking place in every part in life on this planet today. It only happens His work of salvation only happens in partakers of His grace. I'm not coming up with that language on my own. It's coming from from, from this passage surrounding verse 6. Notice Paul doesn't write verse 6 to just anyone. He doesn't just throw it out there and say, hey, this is true of everybody in the world, no matter what you believe. It doesn't matter no matter how you live, and it doesn't matter. No. Look at what he says in verse 7. He says, you are partakers with me of grace. You are participants. You are partners with me in grace. You are sharing in grace with me. What does that mean? What does it mean to be a partaker of grace? It means that you've responded to God's call to salvation by receiving God's free gift of salvation. And you receive that salvation by believing in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you believe in Him alone as the Savior and Lord of your life. Do you remember where we started? We started with saying that salvation is God's work in us from start to finish. That means you can't do good works to earn your salvation. God's work doesn't begin in you by you trying to be a good person, by you trying to clean up your act. No, His work is a free gift. And it's only given to those who place their faith in Jesus Christ. He died on the cross to pay the price for every one of your sins. Will you receive that free gift? Philippians contains one of the most beautiful descriptions of the work of Christ on our behalf in all of the Bible. And I I can't close I can't close Philippians today without reading from chapter two. He says, Have this mind in verse five among yourselves. Chapter two, verse five, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he's talking about Jesus here, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but made himself nothing. It's talking about him leaving the glories of heaven and coming to sinful earth and taking the form of a servant. Made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has exalted him. The text says, highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name so that, what's the response? So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Listen, the day of Christ is coming and there's going to be a day where every knee is going to hit the ground and every tongue is going to say, Jesus is Lord. But some will say it because they have been forced into submission. They've rebelled against God. They have not responded to the offer of salvation by receiving the gift of grace in their lives. And they will be forced into submission unwillingly. They will be forced to say Jesus is Lord. And then God will cast them out of His presence forever and ever. But some on that day will bow the knee joyfully, not in fear, knowing that this is the day that God is finishing the good work in me. And I just wanted today 
which group are you going to be in? When I look at all this stuff up here, it's kind of craziness in this room here today. It even more reminds me of my salvation 25 years ago. Because it was on June the 20th, vacation Bible school, 25 years ago. That I heard the gospel. It was a gospel message that I had heard multiple times, thousands of times, even in my young life at that point. But on that particular day, at that particular time, I realized it's not just a story about a man who came and died. It's a story about my sin who put him on the cross. And that I was guilty before God. And I deserved God's wrath. And if I died in that state, I would rightfully, I wasn't mad at God, I realized that that was a right punishment for my sin. But I also realized that God had made a way for me to be rescued, and that way was Jesus Christ. And God called me to salvation. He began it. It was this tug at my heart. God saying, you need the work of Jesus to pay the price for your sin. And I didn't understand as much as I do now or as much as hopefully I will one day as God continued to work through me. But I did understand that I was a sinner and I needed Jesus. And He was the only one who could save me from my sin. And that day I trusted in Jesus Christ for salvation. And I'm so thankful for that. I just wonder today if God is calling your heart to trust in Him. Christ is coming back. Will the day of Christ be a day of completing your salvation? Or will it be a day of regret? Will you realize that you didn't trust in Christ when you had the chance? Would you trust in Christ today? And if you had, if God is working salvation in you, would you rejoice? the praise and glory of God. Give Him all the credit. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, right now, if there's someone who has not trusted in Jesus Christ for salvation, I pray that right now, even as I am praying, they would be praying in their hearts to You and they would be crying out for salvation. And they would be crying out not because it's their own effort and crying out because but because God you have been calling them to salvation maybe for a long time and they've just been saying no or maybe today is the first time that they have realized that you you are you are calling them to believe in you and to believe in you alone to, to place their faith in Jesus Christ God I just pray that their response would be obedience that they would say God I need you I can't do this on my own I need the work of Jesus. I need Your good work to start in me. God, I believe in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. I believe that He paid the price for my sin. I believe that He is the Lord and the King of all. And I want Him to be the Lord and Savior of my life. God, for those of us who have trusted in Christ, God, would You just remind us of the great work You're doing in us? And would it lead us into holiness? Would it lead us away from complaining and grumbling? Would it lead us away from, from growing weary in our service to You? Would it lead us away from falling prey to the temptations in our lives and lead us onward into holiness? 
God, would it lead us to rejoice. Oh, to rejoice. God, in a moment to stand and sing with rejoicing. Father, to go out of this place rejoicing. God, to interact with the lost around us with rejoicing in our Savior, Jesus Christ. God, we give You the credit, all the credit, for Your good work of salvation. God, we thank You that through Christ we can be a people who are under construction. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.